I am Jimbo Paris, and you are listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. And today we have a special entrepreneur on the show. This is the first ever entrepreneur that's more associated in online traditional tech that we've had in a while. So let's see what she has to talk about. So here's what I'm thinking about. Can you sort of provide me a brief summary about yourself, who you are, what you're about, and kind of what your message is? So very brief summary. So my name is Leila Kaba. I'm from the Philippines. I have been working from home since I was 15 years old. I started out as a uh, freelance writer and now run, uh, I founded and run 2XU Executive Services, where we specialize in hiring, managing, and growing executive assistants for a lot of pretty cool solopreneurs and small business owners. And the biggest thing that I advocate or am about is is helping a lot of people be able to work from home like when I started working at 15 at that time uh, both my parents were my mom was working in office my dad was actually working overseas and I would only see him twice thrice a year because that was the biggest way as Filipinos to be able to earn really big money is to be able to go overseas and now the biggest thing that I'm trying to teach a lot of people is you don't have to leave the country you can stay here be with your kids, be with your family, be able to do whatever you want uh, and still good earn, earn good money just being at home. What actually made you want to be an entrepreneur? It was more of just seeing that, you know, I, I just wanted to build something. I think that was the biggest one because I've always been a creative. Like I said, I've, I've, I started as a freelance writer. So it's creating something has always been something I love doing. Like I I'm into arts and crafts. I'm into, like, I build this uh, this bookshelf right behind me. I built that myself. Um, and it's because, just because I love doing that. And so, like, being an entrepreneur was something that seemed very hard and easy at the same time. This is 2XC is my, what, sixth business that I've started. And this is it's so, so far, longest lasting one. So it's, it's, it's just fun for me. It's just building is something that I always like doing. You said it's hard and easy at the same time. I find that quite interesting. Can you kind of elaborate on you're implying there well the easy part is coming up with ideas for me (laughs) um the hard part is actually when i actually take action and and, uh and seeing testing out how the world reacts to it and when it comes to testing out things and learning your craft what were the first leaps of faith you had to take and the first set of plans you had to kind of implement in order to get your first business started it was mostly just knowing that I'll never really be ready. That was the main, that was, that's the biggest thing that I've learned so far in the last, like I said, six businesses in 10 years, you know, you know, offering services to a lot of different people online is that you'll never really be ready. And it, it, you just kind of jump into it and you kind of learn as you go. You could prepare and make all of these goals, all of these plans, but if you never really go through with them, that's all they're going to be. So that's kind of the, the first step I always do is like, okay, do it. And then figure out everything else. Now, in a specific order, what are the businesses that you are most proud of to the businesses that you are least proud of? (laughs) Very interesting. I've never ranked them. So most part of it is definitely this, the 2XU, just because it's like yesterday we just had a meeting with all of the assistants and all of them are doing great. Like 
even without me. Like they were, they were, they're empowered, they're uh, inspired, but all on their own. And like we, our clients love us, and it just gives me like all the feels. And then I guess second one would be I also have four courses teaching people how to work from home, and with that's kind of my career coach. Uh, uh, I have eight thousand subscribers on YouTube, and that, that's kind of a business that I have running in the background with two XU. Third one would probably be at one point I made bookmarks. I I designed and created bookmarks, sold them online. Next to that would be I did. You'll notice a lot of my businesses are book related. I did a book subscription box where every month I sent like a box of goodies along with a book uh, to different subscribers. I've also done selling an online magazine. That's the next one because that wasn't as successful. And the last one would probably be selling secondhand books because I got too excited by them and then too sad letting the books go. <laughs> All right, that's very interesting. And what is your take on a lot of these virtual assistants? Because Personally, me, I'm a big fan of virtual assistants. You know, mm-hmm. virtual assistants were the kind of the the stepping stone for my business. My whole business is run by virtual assistants, so I'm definitely supportive of that. But mm-hmm. what kind of got you into that whole area? Well, I started at, when I started as a writer. I became also a graphic artist, and then I became a video editor, and I fell in love with marketing, and I love fell in love with sales, and of course, as I'm doing that, I'm falling in love with with entrepreneurship and running a business. So I saw virtual assistants as, and, and the way that our, I built to XU is it's more than just a virtual assistant. It's more than just a person who does your emails or goes through your calendar. It's someone who gets to know you and your business and gets to know, okay, how are we going to grow this beyond where we're at now? How are we going to do this? It's building, it's having someone who basically becomes your second brain. That's the term that we use a lot is your your virtual assistant, or in our case, your executive assistant, becomes your becomes your second brain. You know, as an entrepreneur, we always wish like I wish I had a second me. I wish someone else would like do this thing I really want to do right now. But then I'm focusing on this one right now. Uh, so it's it's having that person, and then of course you multiply and you get another one and you get another one until you get to the point where you have a team of mini use, but at the same time they have their own strengths and weaknesses that work really well with you. So do you think? Let's get into this one. What do you think is a good VA versus a bad VA? And what do you think is a general issue most VAs are having right now? Really good question. I have a ton of YouTube videos on it. I guess the difference between a good VA and a bad VA is lack of engagement. I think that that's the biggest one. Is a good VA, like an amazing VA, someone who is engaging with the entrepreneur like hey can we do this hey can we try that or hey can we improve this one little thing that we're doing the business that can help you know make things easier in the long run Um, a bad VA is just someone who just comes in works the minimum and then leaves because then they're they're going to be off doing something else so they're not engaged in the business in the work that they do they're kind of just giving their, their bare minimum and the biggest problem I, I can see both with virtual assistants being themselves and people hiring virtual assistants is the lack of communication. That's the biggest one. A lot of people just come in into hiring a virtual assistant and just throwing all of the tasks, all the projects like, hey, can you get this done, get this done? But then not being able to communicate like, hey, that was amazing that you, what you did there. Like, hey, can we can we look at this again? I think you, you missed something, but I know you're awesome. So let's, let's do this again. So that's for the entrepreneur, entrepreneur side or employer side. For the assistant, it's being able to step up and be a little bit more assertive and say like, hey, I saw you did this. I don't think that was okay. Or hey, I saw that we did this amazing thing. Can we go ahead and celebrate this on social media? So like stepping up and create, being someone who comes up with ideas or gives feedback that helps the business in the long run as well. 
And you mentioned VAs acting sort of as, well, this is the word, I'm, business strategists. Mm-hmm. Do you think yeah. all VAs are capable of doing that, or is that your special thing? You can train VAs to act as business strategists because, you know, when you think VA, you think more perhaps the best VA is more of a manager in a sense, not really a full-on strategist that could think like, well, they could probably, but the role they do is more, you know, management-based. I believe that they can, and I've trained so many assistants to do so. That's kind of, like I said, my my specialty. But I believe that it is something as long as you give them training for it. Like for us inside of 2XU, like we have three tiers of training. We have self-development, we have leadership, and then we actually also train them entrepreneurship. Like I give uh, about 40% of our assistants actually have their own businesses on the side. And those have I found have been the best hires is when they have their own business already because they can relate to the struggle, to the ups and downs, to the, you know, making the, planning out plan A really, really detailed. And then all of a sudden throwing that away, having to do the sloppy plan B. So it, it's, it's trainable as long as you give them that behind the scenes peek behind the business of like, hey, yeah, this is what it's going wrong right now, but this is every all of the things that are going right, even though this is going wrong. So it's kind of that. Now, this is kind of the big bread and butter. How do you train a VA? Well, it's biggest one is time. You have to give it time. You have to give it attention. That's something that we're currently really, we're currently really fully developing of what that looks like. So for us inside of 2XU, we have a 90-day period where we give them like, okay, first thing is just self-development. You have to change your mindset in some way that you're not just going to be another employee in this business. And then afterwards, it's going to be a mix of the soft skills and the skills that they have to learn working with a client. So if someone was, for example, hired to primarily do social media marketing and then also the admin stuff, then we're giving them all of that uh, both at the same time. So we give them books on how to, you know, Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, which teaches them empathy and how to be able to lead teams. We give them books like How to Win Friends and Influence People, which gives them the confidence of how to show up in different ways in different situations in life. So we give them very specific books paired with the, the training that they have to do anyway, uh, to be able to get both the gist of how it is to be a really amazing assistant and also at the same time, a really amazing person. And what do you think is sort of the, because, you know, the Philippines probably has some of the best VAs on the planet. What do you think is the culture that kind of creates these great VAs? This is going to sound fun because I've I've never really thought of this, but that's a really good question. But I think part of it is our culture of just taking care of people. That's kind of our default here is like, we will always take care of the people who are part of our tribe. That's, that's our biggest flex, I guess, is that even though we we hate that person, even though we have a lot of pride, even though, you know, everything sucks, we'll still kind of turn around. And if they say help, we'll still turn around and, and, and give them a helping hand. And for us, that's kind of a strength and a weakness at the same time. And one that makes for a really great VA, because even though things aren't great, you'll still try to find a way to to make it work. You'll still try to find a way to make sure that the other person still feels taken care of, even though as you're maybe exiting or leaving. And what was your personal journey as a VA like? Did you ever have to take the role as a VA? How did you learn? 
So for me, like I said, when I started as a writer, I kind of took VA roles while I was doing other roles. That was kind of the, the funny, weird thing that kept happening was when I was a writer, I would still be taking like, hey, can you look up these emails and get let me know what which one works? Or when I was the, the graphic artist slash video editor, I would still go through like, hey, can you look up my social media this way? So if even I've never been like a full virtual assistant myself. I've had small increments. And at the same time, when I became a career coach, that became my specialty was was helping out a lot of virtual assistants raise up their own careers. So that was a, a journey for me. And at the same time, I also created a course on how to hire a virtual assistant. So I've gotten basically really full on on full, both sides of employer employee uh, that made it easier for me to, to build this kind of company. Okay. And how does your business work in the sense of creating these VAs? Is it sort of a central kind of hub, kind of like onlinejobs.ph, if you know what that is, it's kind of this. Mm, of course. This kind of job application system where a person puts out their posts and then people go on. So ours is very much uh, boutique in the, in a way where we hire once we know who you are, who your, who your business, what your business is and who you need. So it, takes about four to six weeks, usually even to hire someone, because we really, uh, the recruitment process is something that we really made really, really uh, specialized just because we know that we, if you find one person for, for a client, they fall in love with that, that assistant, then they will refer and refer, refer. That's kind of been kind of where we always focus is really, really good service. And then that will reflect with the number of referrals that we got of new clients that we get based on the stories that we have. So it's, it's really more of, you tell us who you need, We'll, we'll help. We'll, we have a bunch of questions that we, we will ask you to be able to get that clarity of who it is that you need. And then just kind of finding that person for you. And we go through like the interviewing like 100 people, you know, making sure that they're the right person for you based on the qualifications that we asked you on who you need. And then once we have that person, taking care of them really, really well. And how do you deal with your competitors? What do you provide that your competition doesn't? I believe it's just the like the, the simplest way that I can explain it probably is that we just it's just the self development side that I see lacking from a lot of a lot of businesses that um, that they don't do is because they don't develop their person their people um, beyond just the hard skills like they don't give the soft skills training of like how to be able to motivate yourself how to inspire yourself how to have a goal bigger than your problem so you just keep going even when everything is crap anyway i i have friends who are in the virtual assistant industry who work with other virtual assistant agencies and i don't see that i don't see that inspiring them to think that they're more than just coming into just another job they're coming in to help this person build their business and have that shine at the same time they have also like for us we have this huge amazing tribe of other assistants within our company who are always ready to help who always are extending a hand and helping out because they also know how it feels to have just gotten started and what do you think other areas could learn so possibly other VA businesses, maybe in America or in other areas, what do you think they can learn from sort of the, the Filipino VA businesses? The value of building loyalty. That's the biggest one. And that's one that I've even taught a lot of entrepreneurs uh, is there is so much value once you start actually building loyalty with your assistant. And what that can look like is checking in them every day. Like, hey, how are you doing today? Is there anything that you need? Or kind of really like, um, it's one of my favorite things about my name is my name is Leanne Lean. You lean into 
that relationship of like, hey, is there anything else that we can do? Or do you have any ideas? So it's it's building that loyalty so they feel the sense of like, hey, yeah, I'm building this with them. You know, they're not this is not just their business. I'm now part of this. A lot of cultures or a lot of entrepreneurs or employers forget that of like, no, you, you, this person you've hired because there was a problem in your business, they might have solved it a little bit, but then you want to keep this person, right? So you build loyalty, you check in on them. Like in the Philippines, it's almost rude if you don't ask people about their family. It's almost rude if you don't ask people about how their dog or their cat is doing. And, and I know for, for in the US, that might be a little bit like, hey, that's you know, private, you know, don't ask me about that. But here it's welcome. Like, I want you to know about my my brother who got sick and then got better or I want you to know about my little dog who got stuck in in a well and then we all got hurt together so that's kind of something that's part of our culture is that we check in on each other and that's how we build we feel comfortable being with that person for for longer well I just learned something completely new there (laughs) which one was that no I'm just saying in America we really don't ask about that stuff Mm -hmm. it's mainly just we work and ask about it yep and here it's like I said it's almost rude not to ask yeah, and you know, I think that's what baffles a lot of us because when I had my first set of VAs, it shocked me when they actually were asking me how I was doing while running my See? business. And I was like, mm-hmm. you know, but as this goes on, how do you sort of use this business to kind of leverage all the other businesses? Do you really need all these other businesses to kind of help as a VA? Like, how do you keep on? Um, I mean, are all these businesses separate or is it kind of sort of an envelope where you make them all work together? My businesses? Yes. Well, right now it's only the, the career coach and 2XU. Like everything else has kind of fallen off and oh, kind of okay. Uh, okay. had to shut off. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's now just the, the YouTube channel, the career coaching, and then also 2XU. Okay. And this YouTube channel, how do you sort of begin to market your business? Because it's one thing having a great website, maybe a great service, but people still need to know who you are. How do you market to perhaps people like me in America that may be looking for more VAs and so forth? Well, that was a shift that I did this year. So I grew my YouTube channel to about 5,000 subscribers, mostly teaching them how to work from home. That was all that it was last year in 2020. And it was like how to create a resume, how to create a portfolio, um, you know, how to, you know, top 10 books that I recommend that you read if you want to become a virtual assistant. And then it was only, I think, March this year that I said that I started adding um, content for to exceed. Like um, I post twice a week, Sunday, Thursday. And then on Thursdays, I've now added in like um, how to find a great virtual assistant, you know, red flags when you're hiring. I've added, you know, our whole like we actually I actually talk about like our whole hiring process in one of the videos. It's become this way for me to one automate the way that we do things because then I'm talking about it. It gets written down. It gets, becomes a blog posts, and then now I'm actually turning it into a book. So it's become that process. But then for people, and I've had calls, I've closed clients who literally found a YouTube video of mine talking about hiring virtual assistants because people need to know that. Like even if they have no idea what my business is about, they're still going on YouTube of like how to find my first virtual assistant or how to know if an assistant is a good hire. And those are the answers that I love, love, you know, answering. And what are some of your best success stories when it comes to clients? I have a lot. All of them are success stories. Very, I'm very happy to say that all of them are success Your personal favorites. My current personal favorite, I'm not sure, she's probably asleep because she's on a night shift, is uh, one of our assistants, her name's Carla. And I remember when we hired her, I was really excited because 
the fact that during our interview, I gave her like, yeah, we use, you know, Hubstaff or we use Notion for our company. She went ahead and signed up for all of those software just so she can find out what it was. And I was like, hmm, that's really good, like, quality to have on a person is someone who just does it and signs up to to learn how to do it. And then for her client, she runs a real estate coaching company. There there was a little bit for the first 60 days, it was just a back and forth of like, I don't think this is working out. Like, oh no, I think this is going to be okay. Like I, I think we're going to only do the, the end of the month. Like I think she's struggling in one end. And then all of a sudden at the end of the 90 days, because I always do the 90 day cycle whenever it, it, it comes to training and working with uh, our clients at the end of 90 day cycle, she's like, wait a minute. No, she's amazing. Now she's like doing all of this and all of that. And the funny pivot thing there that kind of changed it was one Carla sadly saw a recording of me and her client talking about letting her go at the end of the month. And when she saw that, she was like, you know what? If if I'm going out, I'm going out like doing really, really well. And she started just finding and focusing on her own strengths of what it is, what it was that she did really well instead of grinding and doing the tasks that she didn't really like doing and then turn it around. And now her client has ended up hiring another assistant with us and they're both able to really work really well. And Carla's uh, thriving in what it is that she does, even though she's doing partly night shift, she's still able to have the flexibility to find different things that she likes in life and being able to go out on the weekends. So it was a very, it's my, it's my current favorite story. And I have other favorite stories depending on the time because of the fact that it was just down to trusting the process because I knew that at the end of the 90 days, it would be better, but it just was going to be a little bit of a grind, a little bit of a struggle to get to that point. And now they're both like always love each other, like talking to each other. The other day, Carla told me the story of, you know, her, her client just calling her up and saying like, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. So it's, it's always that uh, I love, I love hearing that whenever it happens uh, of like, yeah, at the end of it, at the end of the 90 days, which I always know it's a thing. They're totally in love with each other, with, with each other and can't live without the other. So uh, that's always a great uh, feeling for me. Well, a big thing I got from a lot of that was focusing on your strengths. Mm-hmm. And why do you think it's so important to really focus more on your strengths than your weaknesses? Mostly because, and I actually just finished reading the book, uh, Managing Oneself by Peter Drucker, which just talks about that specifically of like working, focus on what it is that you already are really good at doing rather than hurting yourself, trying to, you know, make this weakness into a strength because it's harder to do. When you focus on your strength, when you focus on something that one, you already like doing and you already are really brilliant at doing, then it's easier for you to find other things that you are really good at and you start building that and building that and getting better at that. So for example, like if you are someone who really likes content creation and you hate data, you hate creating data, then you find someone who likes, who likes collecting and create uh, and uh, making sense of the data. And then you keep focused on the content. So then that data, there's data to be created or to be found. A lot of the time we try to do everything ourselves, but in reality that actually hurts the business because you're not focusing on the thing that made you successful in the first place. Now, speaking of data, how do you successfully run a remote team? A lot of it is building communication systems. So we have daily reports, we have weekly reports, and we have monthly reports. It kind of sounds a lot, but it, it's one of the biggest reasons why it all works because the daily report is like is email or sent into a uh, Google form or a Google doc, depending on the client. But that's email. That's you're reading something off of someone that just gave you. The weekly report is a weekly call where we, like I join in or one of our, one of our uh, coaches join in on a call with the client and the assistant and be able to 
see what are what are what's going on in the next week. So then, us as a coach, we can give them okay. You can take this training. You can read this one article that's actually been really good about this new new thing that you're learning. And then the monthly call is basically a one on one with a one on one with a coach and the assistant, and then a separate one with the client. So both this all three coming together actually makes it really easy for us to see to get a pulse of where things are at when there when there's tension when there's there's things that doesn't make sense or there's things or there's when there's miscommunication it works against miscommunication so it's we built that as a data point to when we see a assistant you know one of the, one of the questions in a daily report is how are you doing today from the rate of 1 to 10 10 being the highest if they consistently put in one, and some of them do, then we check in on them more often. If they're putting on an eight or a 10, we ask them like, hey, is there anything that we can do better? Or we celebrate a win with them. So that we have, we've built different data points where we can check in on, on our systems and our clients at the same time to make sure that the, the relationship still works. It makes sense that they're still working with us rather than it being a, um, you know, a, just, just another service that they're paying for. That seems like a lot of long distance work. So do you consider outsourcing at any point of time? What do you mean? Actually having other people outside of the country maybe collect that data for you. Or is it all in the Philippines? Which data? The the, the information the on maybe how clients feel. At this moment, we, you know, like I mentioned earlier, one of my biggest goals for myself is to teach a lot of people how to work from home, specifically Filipinos. So I think we're going to just really have a base here. That's the biggest one. And then later on, once the, as the company grows, we will we will probably hire someone on, um, online, like in different countries. But for now, it is here because the culture is here. The way that people take care of each other is here. So, yeah, that's where we're at. And a lot of this... What do you think the advantage to being a VA is versus a regular employee? Do you think there's some inherent benefits or advantages VAs may have over a typical employee? I think the biggest one is that you have access to the founder. I think that's the that's the biggest one because you get to see, like I said earlier, behind the scenes of how a business actually is. When you are an employee, uh, you don't really see that a lot of the time unless the the employer is really transparent about what's going on. Um, when you're a VA, you get to get the nuggets of entrepreneurship. You get to get the nuggets of uh, seeing when even when everything is crap magically because that's the magic of being an entrepreneur. Magically, still getting on the other side. Um, you know, this, this uh, for example, like a really good example is like this year, um, we've lost like two of our first clients. It was, it felt really, really bad. But at the same time, in the same month, I was able to get three new clients. So it's, it's being able to see that ups and downs and seeing like, oh yeah, things do actually always work out for, um, especially if it's something that the entrepreneur really likes doing. So it's, that's the biggest one. However, being a virtual assistant is probably not for everyone because you do end up becoming a jack or jail of all trades. You do have to learn a lot of different skills and be able to manage a lot of those different skills yourself um, versus if you were just a specialist, if you were you know, a graphic artist, you were a writer, you were a social media marketer, um, and that was the only thing you were doing. When you're a virtual assistant, you kind of have to learn how everything works because then that's the best way that you can manage how everything works as, as well. How do you better kind of manage those ups and downs? As an entrepreneur or as a yes. virtual assistant? Well, I'm considering maybe as a virtual assistant. As a virtual assistant, it is, because we've seen our assistants uh, go through it a little bit of struggling through whenever there's a dip, whenever there's something went wrong um, and not still, and not knowing that how fast 
uh, being an entrepreneur can flip that something wrong into something beautiful. Um, so I think as a virtual assistant, managing those ups and downs, it's reading entrepreneurship books. It's going through and re- uh, watching TED Talks, for example, of, of other entrepreneurs telling their story and how they were able to flip it. Because it's it's the value of knowing that other people have gone through worse and gone through the other side of it that can help that belief of, it, of like, yeah, things do always work out. Things can work out. And it's the only thing that can't work out is like death. That's the only thing we can't really flip. The other, the other things in life, you can always find a way to get on the other side of it. And when it comes to the mindset of an entrepreneur versus the mindset of a VA, how does one properly balance that dynamic? What's the right way to do it and what's sort of the wrong way to do it? Because there could be entrepreneurs looking at this thinking, how do I work better with VAs? Or VAs thinking, Mm -hmm. how do I work better with my boss? What's kind of a simple way people can kind of create a better relationship? I think the easiest way that I can explain it, because this is this is a question I've thought about a lot, is vision, um, leaning into the vision. So as an entrepreneur, you need to, it's your responsibility to be able to give your assistant a really good vision of where it is that you guys are going, um, that they that their everyday tasks, their routines are going towards something. That's the easiest way that you can work with, with someone is giving them not, maybe not the full map because you don't probably have a, the full map of where you're going, but at least, least bits and pieces of it of where it is that you're going. So for example, for me, um, with me and my my assistant, I always tell her like, okay, this is the long-term goal. This is the long-term goal. So anytime that I start building on, on our own vision, um, we just keep going at it. And then as a virtual assistant on the flip side, you have to stay curious. That's, that's the biggest thing. You have to stay curious about what is the vision, what, what will be the outcome of this instead of kind of semi giving up on what it is, just because it, it does seem, seem harder that uh, sometimes your, your client might flip the, like I said, flip the plans from plan A to plan B to plan C in like a week. Um, and that's kind of normal because as an entrepreneur, we're always trying to figure out what what the next plan, um, what the best plan is moving forward. Um, so it's staying curious. So entrepreneur showing in the vision as a virtual assistant, staying curious, because then having that combination of having someone who has a vision and someone who's curious about that vision um, will we'll have them running for a very, very long time. And how does an entrepreneur kind of stay on that vision and how does a VA sort of stay curious? Because I think sometimes people may want, you know, I actually want to know kind of how do you technically kind of do that? That's quite interesting. For us, it's building systems for wins. So like, for example, like we'll set goals and whenever, whenever something does happen or it, it happens faster than we thought, then we make sure that we celebrate that. We make sure that we find ways to commemorate that. So like, for example, in the last week, um, in the last month, actually, all of our assistants have been doing really, really well. So like yesterday, I just gave them a really big bonus. Or it, for an entrepreneur, whenever that does happen for you, it's making sure that you share that on social media, for example, and sharing with other people. Because the more that you share your vision coming true with other people, the more you kind of want to be held accountable to keep going so both both sides it's making sure that you celebrate it with your assistant celebrate whenever a goal is hit whenever that vision is hit and at the same time you as an entrepreneur sharing it on social media sharing it with your friends because that keeps you accountable to keep going and i'm curious to know what types of accessory kind of things do you use to kind of help grow your bit so let's kind of get into your youtube videos then Mm -hmm. what is kind of the purpose of youtube for you 
educate. That's 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 been the biggest one. Is a lot. I've when I was creating the course on how to hire your first virtual assistant, I was shocked about the lack of uh, videos there were out there on like how other people are doing it. And for me, the way that I've always kind of gone through life is I always believe that you're never starting from scratch. There's always some sort of model out there that you can look at and then you can see, okay, I want to pick this. I want to pick that. I'm not, I'm not going to do that one. So like the biggest reason why I have the YouTube channel, even though I'm not getting a lot from it, I'm getting, you know, I'm getting like a hundred views per video um, from time to time, sometimes even just 50 or 30. It's still to educate. It's still like someone out there is curious about how to do this right. And I want to talk to those people. I want to help these people. Some some people who just hire online just do it because they can they kind of just need it, not not without any good intentions. And I don't want to help those people. I want to help people who want to do this right, who want to help the people that they're hiring and not just hiring another VA. And I also heard you kind of are thinking about a podcast. So I have that, um, we're going to call it Scale You Podcast. It's probably coming June next year. And I'm also working on the book for it. Um, so I'm, I'm doing both. <laughs> and what is the purpose of the podcast? What's kind of the purpose of that? For the podcast, it's for me. So one of my values in life is to stay curious. And that the, one of the biggest reasons why I started a virtual assistant company is I'm curious about how other people do their business. Um, because that's always something that um, I love to unravel. So the vision for the podcast that I can see is I get to meet all of these other entrepreneurs and kind of revealing behind the scenes how their assistants have helped them in their business. Because that's something that a lot of people either forget that, yeah, oh yeah, my assistant helped me on this one, or that they don't even realize that their assistant helped them in so many different ways and kind of highlighting both the business and the assistant at the same time to be able to reveal that, no, you you don't have to do entrepreneurship on your own. You can have help. You can have good help who with people who want to help you grow your business. And how do you attract these people that can provide you with good help? With attracting the assistants? Yes. The biggest one is having the clarity of what kind of assistant that we want. That's the biggest reason why we've been able to hire a lot of really good assistants is we have like our five values inside of 2XU. We know what kind of person that we need. So like really good examples. Just yesterday, um, I was interviewing this great applicant. She, she had like the skills. She had experience. She had a lot of the th- different things that we wanted. But the moment that I started talking about self-develop and she's like, eh, I don't think I'm going to be able to be a good fit for that. I'm like, that's okay. That's exactly why I talk about self-development during the interview. So then I, you know, interview was done in 30 minutes instead of the full hour. So it's, it's knowing that it's having the filters, the values with the kind of person. It's knowing that there's always going to be people who are not going to be a fit and being okay with it um, and not being desperate about like, hey, no, 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 don't worry. No, we won't talk about self-development anymore. We'll just focus on the thing that you want to focus on. You know, I, I have to hold up the the value of 2XU, which is, which is training people in self-development. Um, and also knowing that there's always going to be people going to be people who will want to work with you and work for you and do a really good job at it um, because that's just how the world works is you never know that you're someone that they've been looking for for so long they've been tired of the corporate world and they actually want to do this thing um, and and trusting that they will do also a really good job because a lot of people forget like yeah no they're, they they want to get paid they want to stay in this job so they will do a good job how would everyone else just feel around you when you first started your business and you first kind of became this person. Did you feel a certain type of way? Like what was going through you emotion? When we first got our, when we got our first client at that time of my life, we kind of 
was, uh, we failed launching the uh, the course on how to hire a VA. We just did a round of workshops around around Asia. We went to Malaysia. We went to Singapore. We went to Manila teaching this. And it kind of failed. Not dramatically but we were like okay so yeah this this business venture didn't work let's let's try another thing and i was already thinking of opening up a um actually started out as a marketing business so like yeah like, um, i want to try out you know creating a service where we help people with their social media marketing and their business marketing um, because that was where i was at and then we got the first person uh, a person who said um, hey, I attended one of your workshops in Singapore. Um, that was actually really good. I don't want to take your course. Can you just do this for me? And I was like, yes, <laughs> we definitely can. And I remember that feeling of excitement and also dread and also at the same time, curiosity. Um, those three those three kind of sandwiched together of then fighting the excitement of building a, a service-based business because before that, I was running a book publishing company for someone else. So it was, a, it was that feeling of, Having to know, I, knowing that I needed to do a mindset shift of, okay, this is a service. This is how we can package this. This is how we can systematize this so it makes sense. Blah blah blah. And like having to build all of the systems that we have now and still building. Um, so there, there was that shift for sure of, okay, now I'm this person. I'm this person who's focusing on this, who's building on this, um, and having to really accept that. This was not something I was going to do for the next couple of years of my life, probably the rest of my life, because I, I, I also did also fall in love with it. When you said shift, are you kind of referring back to that uh, visionary aspect you mentioned as an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. So for me, at that point, that was 2018, 2019. Um, at that point, my vision was to start a business in and still is start a business in New York. Um, it probably was going to be a product business. So I had to make that shift of like, no, it can be a service business where we're providing this system that we know how to run, that we know how to um, make work um, with a lot of entrepreneurs. And then, yeah, we can still create like small offices all around the world where we're talking to the entrepreneurs themselves and then hiring the assistants here in the Philippines. So I, that's now the, the, the actual vision for 2XU. So I had to sh- make that shift. It was a small shift, but I, I then could see how it could work out, how I could get to that point. So like, it, it made everything else easier as well. And when you did all this, what were some, did you have any special people in your life that really helped move you or motivate you in this direction? Did you have another person that may have ran an assistant agency that kind of motivated you to do this? So at that time, and he's, he's a... I, I named him as one of my co-founders. When we created the course on how to hire a virtual assistant, I did it with um, my boss turned co-founder, uh, Tom. So he, he's, he's uh, American who has been hiring online for like about 10 years. So he's been doing it a lot. Um, he was actually the one who owned the publishing company that I ran for years before I started 2XU. And he was the one who kind of gave me a good skeleton framework of how it is that he did it and kept encouraging me to find other people who who did the same thing. So at the same time, while I was doing, you know, selling the course on how to hire, a lot of other people were giving me insights of how, what they what worked for them and what didn't work for them. And that gave me a framework of, you know, this is how you can do it. This is the bad way that you can do it. This is how you can fail at it. This is 
the miserable way of doing it or the best way of doing it. So it was a collaboration of a lot of different people giving me their insights and also with Tom guiding me business-wise also of like, all, what are different ways that we can position ourselves this way or position ourselves that way? So it was surrounding myself with a lot of entrepreneurs who've done it who might have not done it in this industry, but they were able to do it anyway. And it's now been later on, a year later, I think, that I did start meeting a lot of um, virtual assistant uh, company owners. Like there's one like in, I can I can see their office from, from my building um, and they have like 400 uh, virtual assistants. Uh, some of them, uh, I, I've gotten to know one other who has like 700. So it's been interesting finding them and getting to know them and seeing how they work. And that relationship you have with them, is that, is that more cooperative relationship? For sure. Like I, I refer whatever they, they uh, like for us, it's, it is only a full-time, a full-time assistant. We don't offer like part-time or a few hours a week. It has to be a full-time because that's when the second brain formula kind of comes in. So then I refer them to those, those other companies that I know, especially if I know like for the one that had like a 700 assistants, it, he focuses on finance. So like anytime that I have a finance uh, person who doesn't work out, I refer it to them. Um, so it's, you know, I always believe in the abundance mindset of knowing that there's there's unlimited resources in the world. So if, if they doesn't work out, if they don't work out with us, I can always refer them to someone else. How do you cultivate that mindset that there's unlimited resources in the world? It comes from trauma, honestly. <laughs> it comes from going through so much stuff in life and thinking that, you know, there's no other way to get out of this. And then seeing the other side of being able to thrive, being able to survive. So for me, that came from um, when I was 18, I went through uh, a Category 5 typhoon in the Philippines where water came into our house, very um, almost tsunami-like. Um filled up our first floor and I was still at the bottom floor when it started going into our house and I almost died. Basically I could have drowned uh, and furniture was floating towards me. The water was like rising to my lips and I had, I was being weighed down by my clothes, by everything else. And I, in that moment of like, Oh crap, I'm going to die. I very, very quickly adapted to like, if I survive this, I'm going to change my life. And I've so so far um, it's been eight years. Um, since that time and I've, i'm here i'm i'm living in a beautiful condo by myself i'm you know i have this beautiful view i have this amazing group of people who are behind my back i've met so many amazing people so the abundance mindset was wasn't something that i purposely cultivated but it was something that life and experience and going through other really hard thing um hard things in life has showed me like yeah things always work out and like you can't really think or you can't really hold on to something that wants to be let go after you had that extremely tough experience what is kind of the the first step one should take when changing their life anyone this is not va business person just anyone in general just take the small next step that's that's I have this um I have this tattooed on me um of small steps. It's actually from Harry Potter, but I but I like the way that I like thinking about it is um take the next small step. It because you can't really take leaps when you are wounded, when you are, you know, broken legs and toes and fingers. Just take the next step, whatever that looks like. So it could be um like for me, I still from time to time I struggle with anxiety and depression still. And the way that I get out of that is what okay, what's I ask myself, okay, what's the next step that we can do this? Like you don't want to go outside, okay. Then you want to just sit in your table and like just look outside. Okay, that's what we're gonna do in the next five minutes. Okay, then five minutes later, okay, what do you want to do next? So a lot of people, like I said, 
try to take those these leaps and jumps right away. But all you can really manage is that small step. All you can really manage is to get yourself like I always have a chocolate bar next to me and that always boosts my boosts my my uh, good good happy hormones and then okay what's the next step after this because it's all that we can really really do is just make, take that next step and when you were doing all this like did you ever have to counsel other people and mm-hmm. how did that journey go with counseling other people to kind of better themselves it's funny because as you're saying that one of our assistants was watching this keeps popping into my uh, chats um, and, I, and I'm, I'm currently working with her. Like there's, there's always going to be things in life uh, with our assistants, with people that I love, with, with my friends and my family that they're going to be struggling with. And because I've gone through that darkness, that, that, you know, having to shift myself into a better place constantly, it's easier for me to get down into that same pit with them and help them get to what, whatever that next step is. There's this um, beautiful, and it's the, it's the um, story I always use whenever it, it comes to talking about empathy, talking about how to help other people. Um, and it's just from the, from the book Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, where she talks about if empathy is not uh, when you see your friend down in a pit and it's a dark pit and they've been crying, they, they can't seem to get out. It's not, empathy is not, throwing a rope to get them out that empathy is not say like hey yeah you can do this just grab that one rock you know empathy is not um dropping down into that same level with them and then kind of hoisting them out empathy is getting into that pit with them knowing fully that you can get out of it that it's not your pit remembering because a lot of people forget this remembering that it's not your pit to go into that you have and can get out of it at any time and asking them okay what it is what is it that you want to do next what is your for me what is your next step what is how do you want to get out of this you know i want to help you get out of this but you have to help me help you and that's the way that i've i've approached being able to console people to have them feel that they're seen and also at the same time i know that if i'm in my own pit i can't help them so then i i tell them like hey i'm dealing with something right now i i really want to be there for you let me know if you need anything specific, but for now, I can't really help you at this moment. So it's it's having the, those boundaries. It's knowing when to help people and also how to help people at the same time. Why do you think so many you know businesses struggle with empathy sometimes? I know some businesses got it good, but yeah. I think it's the a little bit of the scarcity mindset. I think that's the big one. Is that um, and I've I've I remember having that mindset before of because everything felt like everything was on fire, <laughs> um, everything was kind of going wrong, or you know we haven't gone to the other side yet. We forget to check in on our people. We forget to check in like, hey, how are you doing? Or if we even forget to check in with ourselves, and that's where things do start going downhill. Is is forgetting to just even just the simple question of how are you doing? You know, once a day or even once every other day. Um, can help with knowing where the pulse is at, where people are at, that makes it easier for you to work with those people. And when it comes to all this, what do you think other entrepreneurs, like what kind of things do you kind of teach other entrepreneurs in a sense? Do you teach them these types of things or is the advice a little bit more technical? Like do this, do this, do this, do this. Like let's say, what if I were to ask, what is the best time to hire a virtual assistant? Mm. How would you kind of answer that? The best time to hire a virtual assistant is before you're ready. And it's always when you already have a recurring way to make money because you are essentially hiring someone who you will be paying even when there's no business. So if you you better make sure that you have a way that you are, uh, that's actually one of the questions I ask our, our potential clients is, do you have a way that you, recurring way that you're making money right now? Um, and if they say, no, I just did a big launch. I'm like, okay, you might need a short-term assistant, not someone, not an assistant with us. 
and it's always before you're ready um, because you'll never really be ready to get someone. Like I remember, and this is a lesson I learned myself almost, I think I learned it every three years um, of like, uh, I remember when I got my first assistant, she, I got her before I was ready and I, I had no idea what to give her. And then I started giving her more and more tasks. When I got my second assistant, my current one who actually ended up becoming head of operations for 2XC, which is very cool to see. She started out with me not knowing, again, what what to give her. And then she started taking over my content and helping me run that. So there's always going to be a moment where you're like, can I get a full-time assistant? Can I get this someone? And the answer is always yes. Because as an entrepreneur, you'll always think of more things to give them. You'll always have more ideas. And you'll be surprised by the amount of things that an assistant can do and help you out with. And what is the kind of value that you get from education? Do you think education kind of improves the quality of the amount of people that want to be VAs? Or what do you think? Because I always notice VAs tend to carry around education in the same mm-hmm. area. What do you mean? Can you expound more on that so, question? What I'm referring to is a lot of times VAs will tend to sell, like VA agencies will sell education, but they'll also sell the services. Like why, why don't some just not even teach people at all? Why not just let them figure it out on their own? They're entrepreneurs, right? You know, they could just mm-hmm. do it themselves. Yeah. Like, what if I was an egotistical entrepreneur? I was like, oh, I don't need education. I could do this myself. What is your view on then that? We, then, then usually then one, we don't work with them. <laughs> That's the first one. Because usually like the entrepreneurs we've gotten uh, as clients, they're also into self-development. They're also into self-education just because it resonates with what we do. Whenever, for us, like whenever we educate, the way that I see it, um, and it's the way that it's it's part of the Filipino culture, is like when you teach a mom how to cook a certain way, that pa- get, that gets passed on in generations. And that's the way that I think of like when I'm coaching people how to work from home, that will get passed on through generations. Um, and that's the way that I can impact people. So when it comes to education, it's giving them a framework of like you can skip all of these mistakes that we've gone through, um, all those mistakes that other people have gone through by doing this one thing. That's kind of the, the way that I, I see education is a lot of the time, again, we, we, we never start with a blank slate. There's always someone who's already, already figured it out or already found a way through it to get to the other side. And you can just look at those people so you can skip their mistakes. That's that's why we still have education and service at the same time is because we don't want we don't want them to go through the, the, the stuff that we had to go through to figure things out and just skip it and just find the comfort. And then whenever that discomfort Find, a, find the system that will work with that and then relieve them of that as well. Okay, and if you had to choose between only educating one group, which one would be more important, educating the VAs or educating the entrepreneurs? Educating the entrepreneurs. And I'm actually surprised myself of answering it that way because I started with educating the VAs. But it's because when you are the entrepreneur, employees will always look up to you. You always are going to be responsible for how things work. Um, and that's why when when I got started, it was teaching people, and we, we made this as a joke, uh, the name of the course, how to be a good boss 101, or not how to be, uh, how not to be a bad boss 101. Because a lot of the time, we, as entrepreneurs, we expect them to just speak up. We expect them, they, they'll, they'll figure it out. But in reality, it's your responsibility to help them figure it out. They can't just figure it out on their own. So if I'm going to choose between educating just the boss or educating just the VAs, it's the boss because the boss will dictates the culture, dictates how things work, dictates what the what the 
what the boundaries are inside of the business of like, hey, I'm working until like Sunday at like, you know, 11, 11 p.m. You have to work at Sunday, 11 p.m. That's kind of the way that it naturally will work. So I'd rather teach bosses like, OK, how do you give the right feedback? How do you um, inspire your employees so they're motivated to keep going? You know, how do you uh, figure out the system so then your assistant can run it later on um, and you don't have to do it yourself? So it starts with the boss. It starts with the person who can who actually has who has the say of what things would look like in the long run. So if the boss is kind of the one kind of keeping the strings kind of tied together. How does a VA now going into business figure out, oh, is this a good boss? Is this a bad boss? Hmm. How does that? I also, I also have a YouTube video on that. <laughs> so the biggest one, I guess, is someone who's just open to ideas. That's the biggest tell that they're going to be a really good boss is when you suggest something, how, how do they respond? Do they shut you down or do they ask you to expound? Um, that's that's one. The second one is someone who understands the value of education. That's that's another one. Because if if a boss is just okay with you posting the same thing on Facebook for ten years, even though Facebook is now Meta, then that's not a good boss for you. So it's it's a lot of small nuances. It's not like the big red flags that you see right away because you'll you'll see the red flags right away. But it's the small daily things of how your boss reacts to a certain thing when you give them ideas when they sh- when you show when you show them your work um, that will give you that tell of if they're a good boss or not. And then the other side is just asking previous employees of theirs or seeing how they treat. Like one one funny filter that I now have for some friends that I meet, especially if we're meeting at a restaurant or a coffee shop, is how they treat baristas or how they treat uh, waiters or um, the people who are serving us the food. If they're really rude, then you know that's a red flag. But if they like talk to them and sit back and like, hey, you know, and or read their name tags, that's the biggest one that I know that that's a those are really green flags for the kind of uh, people that they are. So it's noticing how they are with other people, noticing how they are, how they respond to ideas and growing and education um, that tell you if they're a good boss or not. Okay, I'm a bit interested in this book now as well. What type of different value do you think this book will provide versus your YouTube videos? Or is that going to be kind of similar? The Scalia book that I'm writing? Yes. So the book... So one of the reasons why I made a book also on top of the videos and top of the course on top of the podcast that I'll be launching next year is that some people are just readers and I'm, I'm one of them. Like I, I get so much value reading a podcast transcription than actually listening to the podcast. And that's the kind of just learner that I am. I'm appealing to those people. At the same time, I'm kind of solidifying what the systems are inside of 2XU in, in a book. Uh, so like in the last two years that I've had this company, it has shifted so much of how we think of different things, how we systematize things. So writing the book will kind of collate everything that I've learned so far in the last 10 years of working online and also the last two years of having this business and have it kind of make sense. So it's I'm kind of building at the same time a manual for me, for future me to be able to look at and like make sure that I can uh, correct it. And at the same time, of course, educating people who like to read, who doesn't like watching YouTube videos or listening to podcasts. What's kind of the future of your business besides, you know, the podcast and the book? Well, the biggest one is that I want to sprout out other businesses from this one. So one that we've already uh, started thinking about that was actually suggested by our assistant is creating like a repurp- uh, content repurposing company. Repurpose someone's videos and then turn them into articles, videos, blog posts. We have the idea. We just have a lot of different things that we, we want to sprout out of this. So 
aside from having this amazing assistant that you have, then you can start hiring the other people, other people in your business that you need. And that's kind of where I can see 2XU is going is just having smaller businesses sprout out um, and then have have 2XU kind of be the main tree. And do you have any changes that you may be applying to yourself in the future as well? Personality wise, maybe perspective wise? Are there any new transformations you personally have to go through? Of course, always going to be transformations that I always have to go through. You know, recently I had to go through the transformation of being comfortable with having like this one, having a month of not no no new clients because we were so focused on hiring. Uh, but for for October, it's our first month that we we went through since since we got this business. I uh, was since we started that we didn't have a client, and it was because I was so focused on the four new clients that we got in September. So there's always going to be those small shifts that I don't even notice sometimes. That I when I recognize like oh yeah no I'm, we're good we're, we're going to be fine until the end of the year we're going to be fine three, five years later, um, just because of everything that we're doing. So there's always that. And I think right now, the, the one that I'm working on is definitely being comfortable with with just networking more because I'm naturally an introvert. Um, I have, I, I say, I always say that I have to build up extrovert juice to be able to talk to people. So it's that, that, that that's the one that I'm really working on now is being comfortable going on just for now, virtual events and soon, uh, hopefully conferences and being able to network and meet a lot of different people and get ideas from them as well. All right. Thank you, Leanne. All right, I am Jimbo Paris. And this is the Jimbo Paris Show. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Jimbo Paris Show. 